Cause we got the alternative energy Molecular free autonomy And welcome to the Radioactive Show Produced at the studios of 3CR Melbourne And heard nationally on the Community Radio Network Welcome to the Radioactive Show Thanks for tuning in The Radioactive Show is coming to you from the studios of 3CR On the unceded lands of the Kulin Nation And we pay our respects to Elders past and present I'm Michaela, and on today's show, we'll be bringing you updates on the four uranium mine proposals in West Australia. In particular, we'll be looking at the Vimy Resources proposal at Mulga Rock to the northeast of Kalgoorlie. On Wednesday, 23rd of March, the Nuclear Free Movement had a protest action at the Vimy Resources Annual General Meeting in Borloo, Perth, as the company put forward a last-ditch effort to see if they could find a joint venture partner or a buyer, for the unwanted and uneconomic uranium project that they're trying to progress. Today, we'll hear from Nuradjura woman Maria Barton, representing the traditional owners for the Mulga Rock area, and nuclear-free campaigner Mia Pepper, speaking at an online forum, Keeping West Australia Nuclear-Free in 2022, from Wednesday 16th of March. But first up on the show, let's hear from Xu Zhong, a Year 9 Climate Strike organiser, speaking at Friday 25th of March Climate Strike Rally in Nam Melbourne. And the Nam Melbourne Rally joined hundreds of thousands of students across the world in the global climate strike, putting forward the demand of people, not profit, and sending our politicians a clear message demanding climate action. So I'm Xu Zhong, I'm in year nine, and I joined School Strike a little more than a year ago. <laughs> growing up, growing up, the stories I got told about my family's home country were predominantly about pollution. Not about my culture, the food, or the people, but about how factories were pu- pumping out smoke, about how the pollution rates were the highest in the world, about the smog in the air that filled people's lungs. And as I grew up, I also learned about the sandstorms that would stain the atmosphere red and have gotten worse with climate change. How people would wear, need to wear face coverings just to walk down the street so they would not get sand in their eyes. And then I learned that this was all a part of their daily lives. What was made out to be so tragic, sufferable and scary when I was a child it was all normal. It angers me and it infuriates me that the greed from corporations and people in power is forcing communities to live through environmental destruction and it's become normal for them. Their fixation on profit is putting so many lives and communities at risk, communities that are contributing the least to the increase of climate change but are facing the worst of its impacts. And then... Just last week, it was announced that the government no longer has a legal duty of care for us. It's frustrating and it's infuriating. It shows us once again that our government is willing to do anything so that they can keep their profits and their power. So let's channel that anger and let's scream at the top of our lungs while we march and let's create some change. We're all well aware of the climate crisis that is facing our country and earth right now. The ongoing floods in New South Wales and Queensland have no doubt been amplified by climate change. Future floods and natural disasters are 
expected to occur more frequently with more extreme and destructive consequences if our government does not act now. And adding to that are the frightening facts revealed by the IPCC report this year. With the way things are going now, the world is set to face more extreme and destructive weather events, increased fire risks of 10 to 70 percent by 2050, reduced snow cover of up to 60 percent by 2070, and an increase of climate refugees as more and more parts of the world become inhabitable. What's even more frightening is that just recently, the Arctic has faced a 30-degree increase and the Antarctic a 40-degree increase compared to its normal temperatures. At last year's COP26 Glasgow Summit, Scott Morrison couldn't even do the bare minimum and signed zero pledges agreeing to phase out coal. Shame! Scott Morrison's government wants to tell us that adequate solutions to the climate crisis is relying on new technologies which haven't even been invented yet. Shame. We have had enough. We need a fair transition to renewable energy now so that every person has the right to be able to live safely wherever they may be. We are here to make it clear to the Morrison government that his government needs to put people over profits. What do we want? When do we want it? What do we want? When do we want it? What do we want? Climate justice, when do we want it? What do we want? When do we want it? What do we want? When do we want it? That was Xu Zhong speaking at the rally in March that started out at the old Treasury building on Spring Street, Friday 25th of March, and kicked off four days for future. You can go to the website schoolstrikeforclimate.com, so that's with the number four, School Strike for Climate, and you can follow the links to events across the continent. Now let's turn our attention to West Australia. So it's been more than a decade now that the former Barnett Liberal government lifted the state policy ban on uranium mining and there are still no operating uranium mines in Western Australia. And that's thanks to a sustained community opposition and poor market conditions. The McGowan Labor government reinstated a policy ban on new uranium mining projects when they came back to power, but allowed four conditionally approved projects to continue, Waluna, Kintyre, Mulga Rock and Yiliri. So Kintyre is an area excised from the Kalamili National Park on the Madu Native Title Determined Country in the East Pilbara and state approval for Cameco expired in March 2020. Yiliri on the dual native tidal determined country south of the Montague Ranges in East Murchison and the state approval for Cameco's mining project expired in January of this year. Waluna includes Lakeway, Centipede, Millipede and Lake Maitland deposits and that's an area across two incredible ephemeral lake systems in the northern goldfields and the state approval for Toro Energy expired in January of this year also. So that just leaves Mulga Rock. It's a site northeast of Kalgoorlie in the Yellow Sand Plain Priority Ecological Community. 
within the Great Victoria Desert. And we'll hear now from Nuradjura woman Maria Barton, followed by uh, the MC Dave Sweeney and Mia Pepper from the Conservation Council of West Australia with updates on this project. Hello, everyone. Um, Maria from the Ukulele Nuradjura Claim. Um, very lucky to be speaking today. I'm only one of a big group on our claim group and um, there's a lot of people that could be talking today but I've been very, I've got the, the good opportunity. Um, I'm talking from Derby, um, home of the Ningadar and the Bunaba people, so great country up here too. But um, with us, um, my, our main concerns is the um, the mine, the Dumi mine, the Mulga Rock mine is on the top of the Queen Victoria Springs Nature Reserve, which is in our area of our home. Um, it's been in our in our family for years from the time we've been here. Our family have lived there all their lives. They've practised, they've um, lived off the earth, they've lived off the land. They've um, been born there, they've died there. And um, since we've got more um, vehicle access and things like that, we've been able to go out there and sleep and um, practice our cultures and everything like that. Sadly, um, my father's people um, were from Maralinga and the Maralinga bombing happened. So we know exactly what um, the nuclear and the, um, the waste stuff can do to our land and our country. Um, I wasn't even born when Maralinga happened. Um, and I've been lucky enough to go back over there over 20 years ago. Um, the cleanup is absolutely shocking. It takes a long time. So with this uranium mining that's happening up the top of our country, it's, um, it's horrific. Um, we, we don't want it. We haven't been notified by anything that was happening. The only contact we've had is what we see on internet and we've seen um, mine sites being built, runways being built, and we've had no contact with the Vimy resources at all. Um, this is our country, our land, um, and we have family that still live out in the bush, that still live not too far from there, that still go out and access these areas. Um, the main thing is, like, a lot of us are now grandparents and I never had the opportunity to grow up in my dad's country of Maryland or we don't even have the opportunity to go there now because of the, you know, of the, the site that's been ruined. We don't want that for our own children. We don't want that for our next generations to happen. Um, it's all good and well to say that uranium mining is going to bring a lot of money into the country, but it's going to be devastating. It's, um, there's long-term effects. The, the water's going to go missing, the land's going to be cleared, the animals are going to go. Um, our people won't be able to go out there and practice their law or their cultures anymore. We won't be able to teach our children anything out there. Um, it's going to be all lost again. Um, they Even even in the long run when um, they say, oh, a couple of generations, it, it's gonna, they're, they're going to take our water. They're going to take everything. It's going to ruin everything. And um, we need to keep it safe for our children. Um, the thing that's happening over in Ukraine is just a is just another example of what could happen to us. We we don't think it's going to happen, but it could it can happen. Um, and we just don't want to be accountable to take you know stuff from our country to make it worse for other countries. You know, we all want to live in peace. We all want to live in harmony, and we just want to be left alone and have our own country to ourselves. And that's it. And that's plenty. That's fantastic, Maria. Thank you. That was um, that was really crisp, clear, and powerful, Maria Barton. Thank you very much for that, for joining us tonight, for sharing that. And it's just 
still extraordinary, really. You know, again, 2022, and you can have uh, a highly contested, as Carmen said, highly irregularly approved uranium project going um, on with, with no contact, no discussion, no consent, not even an information session with traditional owners and native title claimants. It's quite an extraordinary state of affairs. Thanks for um, uh, joining us and sharing that, Maria. And, and if you could pass on back to family and crew that there are very many people around the country, particularly around WA, but right around the country, who are very, uh, keeping a very close eye on, um, on Vimy and do not want that project to go ahead. Um, also, uh, just one diary date that came up, uh, Maria spoke about the impact of the displacement from Maralinga and that's continuing trauma and damage to communities and to country. And this October, the 3rd of October in WA, it's the 70th anniversary of the first British nuclear test where they bombed that Montebello Island. And um, so, you know, that's a good time to regroup and think about what we can do to highlight the human cost of this trade. Mia Pepper is CCWA's nuclear-free campaigner. She's a tenacious tracker of drill rigs and dodgy dollar flows. Um, and she's done a power of work on this issue. She's ideally placed to give us an insight into CCWA's thinking and the way forward from here to keep the uranium trade out of WA. So thanks, Mia. Thanks, Dave. And um, thanks, Carmen and Maria. So good to hear from you both about that history and that perspective and where we've got to now it's such a long history and like others have said we're standing on shoulders of, of giants and um and we're really pleased to be standing side by side now to, for this fight um ahead of us i'm calling in from um wajak Buja. i'm really lucky and fortunate to be in this beautiful part of the world um fighting on this issue um so I just wanted to, I've just got a couple of slides that I wanted to talk through a little bit about where things are up to at the moment with um, the four uranium projects that were approved under the Barnett government um, and where we're going to from here. Um, so three, three out of the four, Kintai, Yaliri and Waluna, um, those approvals had five years. They had to substantially commence mining within five years. That was a condition of their approval and they all failed to do it. Um, and what's even more interesting is that they didn't even try to commence uranium mining in that period. And I think that's important when we look at Mogul Rock in a bit more detail, that the economics of this industry and the uncertainty around this industry and also the um, resistance that this industry has been met with in WA, I think, has been big contributing factors to why they haven't advanced those, those three projects. Um, so now that gives us some really good opportunities to, to prevent mining in those three areas. And at each of those three sites, there has been sustained and strong community resistance. Um, I think last year it was um, there was a new section of the Environmental Protection Act in WA that came into power, and that's Section 47A, which gives the minister the ability to withdraw approvals if they fail to meet that commencement condition like these three projects have. Um, 
So none of these projects met that commencement condition and it, it now means that the Minister has this power to, to withdraw those applications, um, those approvals. And I think the important thing to know is that while they've expired, it's it would only take an amendment to a condition for those projects to get up and running again. So in some future scenario that there's a Liberal government, not that it seems possible anymore, but it, it is, um, we have to think forward about the potential for any of those companies to apply to the Minister to try to amend a condition and they could be up and running again. In fact, Cameco at the Yaliri site has put in a request to Minister Whitby saying we, we want to extend our approval and the Minister's now considering that and we're strongly urging him not to extend the approval for Yaliri and beyond that we're asking that he withdraw the Yaliri approval, the Kintyre approval and the Waluna approval. Um, so that's really critical for those three projects and really urge you if you have um, the means and capacity to reach out to the Minister's office that it, it would uh, go a long way to echo those calls um, and he's actively considering it at the moment. Um, so in this process of, of looking at this condition for these mines, we had to start asking what is substantial commencement and what I think is really interesting here is that it's deliberately vague. So there is no definition of what substantial commencement is in the Environmental Protection Act. And when we spoke to the Department of Water and Environmental Regulation about it, they said, we leave it deliberately vague so that the companies don't just do what we say they have to do to meet this requirement. So um, at, yeah, at Kintai, Yaliri and Waluna, they didn't even try to meet substantial commencement. So we're not sure really what it looks like for those projects. At Mulgore Rock, they did try. And what, and so we're kind of in this position now where we argued really strongly that the things that they did at the site don't constitute as substantial commencement. They were destructive and they were dangerous. They were reckless, but they weren't substantial. Um, and that's a, an argument we're having at, at the moment. Um, but And we're having that argument because the government decided that they had reached substantial commencement. Um, so what's destructive but not substantial? They have cleared land, they've laid some pipes, um, they've started stockpiling some overburden. Um, but, yeah, when, it, when we look at the scale of what they intend to do, we've been arguing that they've spent less than, I think it was less than 7% of the costs to actually establish a project. They've cleared less than 6% of the total area that they need to clear. Um, so we think that it's destructive but not substantial. And the biggest thing here that, that we think that the government should have looked at is whether or not the company actually intend to mine. And at, at this point, they haven't made that decision. They haven't got a bankable feasibility study. Um, they haven't got final approval. They still need a works approval from the Department of Water. They still need export licences, licences to possess nuclear material, licence to construct a, a nuclear facility, which is a processing plant to process the ore. Um, so there's a whole suite of stuff that they don't have. But most importantly, they don't have the funding to establish the mine. The capital costs to start this mine are about are well over $200 million, um, and they've just raised $17 million. 
um, and they haven't raised $17 million to start a mine. They've raised $17 million to do a bankable feasibility study. Um, and, then, and then kind of the next important thing to understand about Vimy Resources is that we really don't think that they intend to mine because they've started a strategic review process where they're looking at what are the best possible um, options to return value for their to their shareholders, and that might actually be to sell it or sell off parts of it. Um, so we're we're yeah we're fighting against this uranium mine that this company isn't really committed to building just yet because they don't have the funding, but they are trying to you know sell it or create some value for their shareholders. So this gives us a pretty good opportunity um, to lobby and campaign around the company and the sale, sale of the project. So um, some of the key things that we're doing at the moment is exposing the poor economics, making arguments about the market, about nuclear power and uncertainty, the risks, the dangers. Um, we've been engaging with shareholders and potential buyers and particularly over, over some of the issues that Maria was talking about. You know, not only is this company... Um, you know, trying to mine uranium, but they're they're doing it in some of the worst possible ways. Some some corporate behaviour that we had hoped would be long behind us in Australia. But these companies spent the best part of a decade denying that traditional owners had any interests in that area. And now that there is a registered native title claim group, which Maria is part of, they haven't even yet met with them or acknowledged the importance of that claim over that area. Um, so we're really concerned about this company and, and any potential future buyer and how they choose to engage with people on the ground. Um, some of the other things we're doing, we're tracking the company's every move, um, making sure that they're compliant with every condition that they need to be compliant with and looking for any avenue really to contest and oppose this project. Um, and we're calling on the government to require 100% mine closure bond because what's worse than a uranium mine is an uneconomic uranium mine that gets started and then fails to close properly. And so the last, last, last thing we want is a uranium mine at all, but a uranium mine that starts and closes and leaves a huge mess behind. Um, we've done a few very rough back of the envelope numbers on what closure costs might be for this project. Um, and we think it would be in the ballpark of 500 million. And we know the Ranger Uranium Mine, which closed in January last year, they, um, you know, they kept recalculating the costs of closure there. And this year um, it was exposed that they're, they're now estimating closure costs at 1.2 to $2.2 billion. You know, that's a, it was a big, big mine and it operated in a really sensitive area, completely surrounded by a national park in a wetland. It was quite different, but the issues are still the same and rehabilitating not only radioactive material, but potentially acid forming material, which can create um, an environmental problem called acid metalliferous drainage. Um, there are two issues that are very real at Mulgore Rock and we're really concerned about. So one thing that we're calling for is 100% closure bond upfront. Um, 
And then the other thing that we're doing on, which I've already spoken about, but I think it's really important to reiterate, is that we're calling on the WA Labor government to withdraw the approvals for those three mines. Labor, as we heard, have a strong policy position at the party level um, opposing uranium mining, and they voted on that again um, in 2019 to reaffirm that anti-uranium mining position. Um, They also passed a motion in 2019 saying that they were going to adopt, you know, that they would regulate this and scrutinise this at the highest level, noting that it was different to other minerals. Um, And we're yet to see that play out with Mogul Rock because I think people have underestimated or undermined the intention of the company to advance, but they have. They've cleared land, they're stockpiling overburden, and at this point we're now really concerned and we're not seeing... Um, that level of regulation that we would expect and we're definitely not seeing the level of transparency that we expect um, from this government on this industry. And you heard there from Mia Pepper and before that Dave Sweeney and Maria Barton speaking at the Nuclear Free WA webinar. And thanks so much to K.A. Garlic for sharing that recording with us. You can stay up to date with those campaign stories by going to the website ccwa.org.au forward slash nuclear free WA. And you can sign up to their weekly newsletter there. Thanks so much to Shu Zhong, Maria Barton, Dave Sweeney and Mia Pepper for sharing their voices on the show today. The Radioactive Show is produced in the studios of 3CR in Fitzroy with the support of Friends of the Earth Melbourne's Nuclear Free Collective and broadcast nationally thanks to the Community Radio Network. You can find us on social media, The Radioactive Show 3CR, and you can email us radioactiveshow.3cr at gmail.com. And of course, you can listen back to this show or share this show uh, by going to our webpage, 3cr.org.au forward slash radioactive. And thank you so much for tuning in. Do join us again next week for more news and views on nuclear peace and energy issues. What do we want? When do we want it? What do we want? Climate justice. When do we want it? What do we want? When do we want it? What do we want? When do we want it? What do we want? When do we want it? You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.